0: This Torah class is brought to you by (laughs) TorahAnytime.com Shalom Aleichem everyone Tonight is 24 hours Less, less, much less It's it's, uh, Tuesday night at 11.15 Rosh Hashanah is at like a quarter to seven tomorrow So it's much less than 24 hours We have to prepare for the big night We're going to help you prepare tonight You want to leave this mic here? Yeah, okay So listen to this very fascinating. Um, why do we dip the apple in the honey? Okay, so, why an apple and why bees honey? That's the question. So, why not a peach? A uh, pear would be good in honey. Uh, why specifically an apple? Because in Kabbalah we learn that that um, all those who are watching this is a Passion tea. That's not wine, even though it looks like it is. So, an apple, we are called, human beings, are called Eitz Hasada. We're called the tree of the field. And many times it's mentioned as as Hava, it's Ganei And we're the tree of the, of the field. And uh, it's called Stetapuach in... Um, very deep Kabbalic Kabbalic lessons it's called the Sedei Tapuach the field of fruits of apples so the human being is considered like an apple it's also considered like a tree because the in the world of tze'me'ach plants things trees the, the tze'me'ach that gives the most to the world is a fruit tree because they have a fruit tree so you have fruit and you have shade. And you have wood, firewood. And you have wood to build houses and to build desks. So there's a book called The Giving Tree, um, which talks about the tree and how it gives. Even after The Giving Tree, even after they cut down the tree, an old man was tired and he rested on the stump. So like, it's always giving. It's always giving. So a human being is created to, in, the, in the image of God. What's the image of God? To give. So that's why I tell an apple... They say if you cut the apple a certain way, you can see the letters Yitke Vovke. That's what they say. I, I've, I've cut the apple; haven't seen it, but there's a way to see it. Um, here's the big question: the big question is the honey. Why do we dip the apple in bees' honey? Really, you should dip the apple in sugar; would stick to it nicely. Brown sugar, caramel. Why? Honey. So we're gonna to get to that car to but there's a very big question about it. Cause divash, I'm gonna tell you why you why Devash. The word Devash equals three hundred and six. Dollar is four, base is two, shin is three. Devash equals three hundred and six. The word avharachamim, our father who has pity, also equals three hundred and six. Let's see. You already got a pen. Alton Beis One and two is three Okay Harachamim So a He is So you have three Then you have a He Which is five So now you have eight Then you have a Reish Which is two hundred and eight Then you have eight Right Rachamim. You have eight Which is two hundred and sixteen Right Then a Men Rachamim. Then two Mems Which is Eighty Where are we up to? 306. You added it together. 306. So, divash equals avarachamim. So, it's a simen. Oh, I have a cute story to tell you guys. <laughs> I haven't said the story in 10 years. Oh, you gonna love this. But, um, so we eat, we dip it in honey because it has a school a gematria deep stuff, avarachamim equals, av- equals divash. That's why, you, that's why you use divash. That's why you use honey, not sugar. What number did you get? 36. 306. Dalid beishin 306. What are you struggling with? Not Avrachamim, Av Oh, okay. The hay in there. Yeah. Okay? Alright, so here's the big bomb question. The whole reason you're using the Vash is it equals 306. And the 306 equals Avarachamim. The Vash in the Torah. Where it says, zava Zabat Chalavu, Devash, right? It's not talking about bees honey. It's called, no, talking about date honey. Devash is a date. So why would you use bees honey when you could use one of the Shiva Minim? Much more If the whole thing is Devash is a gematria, the Devash in the Torah, that's what you should be using, is dates. Why do you use bees honey? So, here we talked about the bees busy and he does stuff. I got a big answer to that this year. The answer is as follows. The apple is the person. The apple is the fruit that you see in front of you. So I was in I was in seminary and I yes. said, Where does an apple come from? And all 20 girls in the room said, A seed. An apple tree. Where does an apple come from? Comes an apple tree. I said, wrong. An apple comes from a bee. If the bee doesn't pollinate the blossom, even though it's in an apple tree, it's not going to be a fruit. So the tree's not enough. Without the bee, there's no apple. So the deep secret, when you're sitting on Shoshana, what you said, is that we have the apple, we eat the apple, we taste the apple... Apple comes from a tree, wrong. Apple comes from something that you don't even see. Nobody sees the bee pollinating. We don't sit there and watch it. The Akaris of the bee, without it, there is no apple. So the, it's not you put the honey on the apple. You put the apple in the honey to say, there's no apple. Unless I dip it in the honey without the bee. There's no apple without the bee. And on top of that, the bee produces a sweet. So, therefore, we don't use, even though it's Erez, it's the, the honey from the Torah. No! This is more important. Hakar's HaTov. So, when you sit at your table, you're dipping the apple, you're saying, you kids, you know where this apple came from? No, Tati, we're from a tree. No! Without the bee that makes this honey, there's no apple. This apple would not be here. So, dip the apple in the honey. What? Listen carefully to what I'm about to say. Everyone who's listening, I hope you're listening before Shoshua. You have to get it up right away so that they can send it out. The sweetest thing in the world is when you give recognition, you have a curse tov to the things that you don't see that made it happen. The Elul, the Ani, the Daidi, the Daidi, the and I am to my loved one, and my loved one is to me, is based on a, a good marriage, is based on recognizing the things that you normally take for granted your laundry, whatever, whatever it is. So, therefore, the most important thing on Rosh Hashanah to develop a relationship with Akash Baruchu is to appreciate what Akash Baruchu gives us. But we don't, because we see the apple. We see the, all the things in the world that we see, right? But behind it is the bee. Behind it is the There's a very cute cartoon someone sent me today, he sent me an email, and it showed this man taking his Apple phone and dipping it in honey. And his kid's like, What are you doing? He says, Oh, shouldn't you have to dip your apple in honey? I dipped my apple in honey. I thought it was cute. Um, so that's a very big lesson. And then I segued, and I was speaking into Kivet of Aim, because the most uh, ignored and ingrate relationship in the world is your parents. What do you mean? It's my parents' it's my father's job to work and pay my stuff and buy me clothing and do all that. So you sort of get, get the apple, but you don't see who's behind it. He's killing himself. He's working and he's doing and your mother, everything that she does. You don't even remember that she ever burped you. And diapered you and took you to the doctor and brought you to school and made you lunches and all that stuff. So it's a very big time for Kivit hand I said many years ago that there was a, there's a German minig to write a letter to your parents. erev wrote for Shoshana and Put it under their plate. And when I spoke about it, the reaction of the people that did it was a was a life changer. And I said, and I'm saying it again and I've been saying it for the last ten of being on news, that no kid no kid should go to the Rosh Hashanah table without having a letter on disappearance, even if it's just like, you know, I got the I hate my mother, how could I write her a letter? And you know what? She brought me into this world. I don't wanna be here. I don't wanna be here, I'm in a lot of pain. So to write her a letter. I said, write her the following letter: Dear mommy and daddy, thank you for bringing me into a world full of potential. That's it. You don't want to get mushy? You don't want to cross the toe, You put me here. I am in pain and I hate it and I want to conclude my and I want to get out of here. Ah. Bottom line is, I hear you. But you still have the potential to change, to save someone's life, to do anything. And for that potential, you need to write a letter to your parents. I'm talking, so far I must have spoken to, remember, probably at least eight to 10,000 people. And every speech I said, you need to write a letter. I said, but I want to tell you something. You need to write a letter to your kids. Your child should have underneath his plate a letter from his mommy and Tati. How much we love you, and appreciate you, and doubt for you, and need you. It's not just a kid writing to a parent, but every kid should sit down and there should be a letter from his parents. Every husband should have a letter from his wife. And by far, every wife should have a letter from her husband. And when you sit down to a Hashanah table, where you're asking for more life, and that life is time to spend with your family, you have to show Hashem that you appreciate your family. So I think that everyone who's watching this, I hope you see it before Rosh Hashanah don't there's no plate at the table I hope you will see this for Rosh Hashanah and you sit down and if it's very hard to write a letter to your parents because you're so dysfunctional and so painful if it's very hard then there's something in a lack of your See, at the end of the day you're here and if you're here we're going to talk about this tonight. If you're here, you there's a potential to do absolutely anything. So that, and, and don't send them an email. You have to write a letter. Because what we lost in the computer world of texting is that my parents wrote me a postcard in camp, right? It was a very big thing. When the mail came, that every kid got a postcard. The ones that didn't. So they told the parents, part of the rule book was, write a postcard a week. Grandparents, write a postcard a week. I still have those postcards, you told me, 50 years ago. Because the letter is forever, and you can always read it over, and over and over. I still have the letters between me and my wife. Sometimes I even blush when I read them. I'm like, wow, wow, look at this letter. You read these letters. I have all the letters that any kid ever wrote me. I still have after 120, throw, in, throw it into the grave with me. If every girl's letter, and every guy's letter... Not emails. I get emails every day. I don't keep them. But every handwritten letter is in my drawer. We lost that. We lost the letter. Nobody writes letters anymore. Nobody writes postcards. You have to let Robin in case what? You have to let Shana rap Want to, write, to right. write a letter? Yeah. No, You have to tomorrow night. Because tomorrow night, you're asking for life. And you better bring something to the table. Because we're all asking for life, and life is time. So when you ask for something, that's what you judge judged by. In other words, you, your kid gets, a, gets the car an hour a day, right? Now he comes to you a year later and he says, Dad, I need the car two hours a day. Show me what you use the car for for that hour. I picked up poor people. I drove people to the nursing home. I went to the hospital. You got it. You want another hour? You deserve another hour. I was driving with my friends. We were speeding down the highway. I'm giving like, you another hour. What you're asking for? You're asking for money. Let's see how you use your money, right? But money, all the things that we ask for are details. Money, shidduch, right? Children, health. Those are all details. If you're dead, you don't got no shalom bayis. You don't got no children. You don't got no shidduch. You don't need money because you're dead. So all those details are only details if you're alive. Right, so if you're asking for time, what are they going to judge? Your time. How you spend your time. Exactly. And they're going to post up on the wall how many hours you're on the phone. Because that's something that as every second. So you're asking for 365 days, 365 days times 24. Anybody have a calculator here? Let's, let's take a look at this. Let's see what we're really asking for, okay? Let's do 365 times 24. Then let's do 24 times 60. And then let's do that number times 60. So yeah, 24 hours, 60 minutes in an hour, 60 seconds in a minute. 24 times 365 is 8,000. 24 times 365. 8,760. Okay, times 60. 525,600. Times 60 seconds. 31 million seconds you're asking Hashem for. You're on Rosh Hashanah, give me 31 million seconds. And the satsang is going to go up there and show you how many millions of seconds you wasted. Your egg got a shot. You're asking for 31 million seconds. Wow! That's a big request. I wish I would have had this number in my head last night when I spoke. 31 million seconds. That's what you want. If it's a leap year, it's even more. And what do you bring to the table? Okay. You want you want the car? You want, you want time? So let's see what you do with your time. Oh, you watch movies? You want me to give you time for that? I'm not giving you time. You are your phone, your WhatsApp, into, into snapshot, and all this other garbage. That's not my world, to Tzedashem. That's your man-made world. You could fall in the toilet, you have another model. I probably would not give a model to this world, but that world you can have another model. Phones are gone, contacts are gone, everything's gone. <clears throat> so you have less than twenty-four hours now to 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 come up with something to say. Well, uh, I messed up this year, God, but next year I'm going to use those 31 million seconds for something else. I'm going to go to a nursing home. I'm going to talk to little kids. I'm going to mentor. I'm going to tutor. I'm going to collect tzedakah. I'm going to do all these mitzvahs. I'm asking you for time, but I want to show you the plan. It's like a business plan, right? So when you ask for investors, right? You're asking for investors. I want you to invest in my company. First thing they ask... Show me a business plan. What are you gonna do? How are you gonna pay your people? Where are you gonna get the money from? How long, what's your vision? Two years down the line, three years down the line, four years down the line. Right? You want me to invest with you? I need a business plan. Tomorrow night, we're asking for life. Actually, I should want to see your business plan. What's your business plan for the next year? You're gonna do the same thing you did last year? Uh uh-uh. uh. You wasted a lot of time last year. What's your business plan? What's your vision? What's your vision for the year? What are you going to do with this? What's your vision? More movies? More talking to girls? More surfing the net? That's your business plan? I'm Hashem. You want me to invest in your next year to give you life? And you don't have a business plan? (laughs) A lot of chesed. A lot of rachamim. Serious stuff. You want me to invest in you? want me to give you 31 million seconds? Then you better bring something to the table. So we got to figure out what we're going to bring to the table tomorrow night. We got a plan. And if after Rosh Hashanah, you're a an and even, they're waiting for your kipper for your plan. Like, I understand. We're talking about an investment here. You have to have a business plan. I know you need to work on it. I'll give you a service to make true sure to work on it. Well, you come, your kid but you better have a plan. What are you going to do with your time? And the best time to show Hashem your plan is during the service of Mishuva by helping kids, by going to nursing homes, by doing whatever you have to do, by showing him that I'm, I cut down on my, on, my, on my videos, I cut down on my garbage on the phone, my WhatsApp and my Instagram and all the other stuff that I do. I cut it down, I cut it out altogether. I got a flip phone, I grab a wall, whatever it is, I want you to invest Hashem. I got something good going on here. It's, a shame, kid. it's all about time. Mitzvah Tavares that's important, but before you get Mitzvah Tavares it's like, what do you want? Coming into the room, how can I help you? Hashem, I, I want to live out another year. I want time. Really, let's look at the screen. Let's look at the videotape! You asked for me last year for this, and I gave it to you! So let's see how you spent it. Ow. Ow. The Yad Kol it's all your writings every night when your Neshama went up and what, what you did that day, How much time you wasted. Time is the most precious thing in the world. So it's called the present. So it's very, very serious. It's very, very serious. So I <coughs> segwayed into Kibbutz of Aim and writing these letters to your parents because, because if you show that you have a kursa tov, right? So I don't need your thank you. I I try to help a lot of people. I don't need anybody to say thank you, because I'm working for God. As long as He's good with me, I'm good. I don't need to thank you. But, when you get a thank you, that person, again, God's not a human being, so it's hard to say this, but the person that thanks you, you're gonna work, you're gonna do something to Him before the guy that doesn't. Because, he, he, He appreciates what you're doing. I want to help people who appreciate me I don't want to help people who don't appreciate me Hashem doesn't have that really exactly like that but yeah, what it means last night a girl came over to me and after after um, my speech and we are going to talk about what I spoke about we spoke about bitachon and amuna and what it really means um, and she said to me Rabbi, I want to ask you a question I don't want you to answer me metaphorically I don't want you to answer me your opinion. I'm asking you a halacha. Okay, I said, I'm not, I don't have smicha. I don't pass him. This one you can pass him. Okay, what do you got? Are you allowed to daven? Are you allowed a davin or shashana that Hashem should give you disease that you should die? You allowed a daven or shashana to die? That's what she asked me. So you don't got to tell me how much pain a person is in that. To daven to die. Because she said, I'm from, I won't. I can't commit suicide. I can't, I won't. I'm a from girl. But why can't I die to die? If that's what I want, people die to live and money and prainosa and marriage and kids, I don't want that. I want to die. I'm in too much pain. So why can't I dive into Hashem if you love me? Or give me cancer? Show. Give me a heart attack. I said, I, I, I don't pass in this kind of stuff. I don't think you can daven for that. I don't think a person can daven to die because it's the the same thing as davening. That this year I want to eat cows, I want to eat pig. You can't daven to Hashem, I want to eat pig. And committing suicide is not there and taking your own life. So I said, but I'll tell you what to daven for this Rosh Hashanah. And she looks up at me like, whatever you're going to say, I'm not going there, Rabbi. I said, daven that this year... Hashem should give you a reason to live you should get a reason then you shouldn't want to die anymore I said can you say that prayer she goes yeah that's, I never thought of that I said just down it because how, why did I say that answer because it's a very famous story of the three the three soldiers that were by the coastal night in nineteen sixty seven independence war, and you see Rabbi Goran blowing a shofar and there's these three guys and they're by the coastal, their heads are down and they're crying. And all these three soldiers first time in all the years that we got back to Kotel, they're not standing there, they're crying their eyes out. Well one of them was an atheist. An atheist didn't believe in Hashem. So the other two asked him they had the pictures of the three. They asked him, Why are you crying? You, you don't even believe this is a holy place, you don't believe in God. He said, I'm crying that if you are their God, you should give me the feeling to cry. So I said, "That's where I got it from." So you need to dammit to Hashem, and Hashem should give you reason to live. But there are people out there that don't want to live. Which brings me to the main part of my share. Um, I gave Chizik Matzias to a group of women that. Um, that belong to an organization called Sister to Sister. An organization of Sister to Sister are hundreds of women that are divorced for many years, have children, and are very alone. And she said that you have to understand that these ladies have been dominating for years to find a shidduch and feel very much that Hashem not listening to them. So, you need to give him chizr. So I didn't really know what to say. I told him a story of with the eagle. I didn't say it last week, did I? But I have to keep this story for Aveda Molkano, so it can't go public, so I can't say it yet. I'll say it afterwards. Um, so, I told him the following The person who told me to speak said, Don't really speak in amuna and B'Tachan because they're fed up with hearing about that. You know, have a moon, have a moon, have a moon. And 15 years, I'm, 15 years I'm divorced, I married some animal, right? Which, I, I have my own tightness on Hashem, they let it happen, but I married an animal, and it's 15 years, and nobody wants to marry me, and I'm pretty much stuck for the rest of my life alone. I come into my room, I lay in my bed, I'm all by myself, I have no one to talk to. Yes, I have children, but they're not in the bedroom with me, and I'm, I'm alone, and we know the worst thing for a human being in the world is being alone, because Adam was created, he had the power of the whole world. He was in the Ghana of Hashem. He had everything. He had all the animals. Hashem said, I see that a human being cannot live by himself. So he created a woman. So loneliness is very tough. And to be married or not married or whatever it is, not married for 15, 20 years and coming to your house and believing and dominating. She said, don't even go there ever because They heard enough of that. Like, we didn't leave much room to go anywhere then. I said, I'm going to talk to them. And I got on the phone. I said, listen, this is very important going into Rosh Hashanah. What's going on that you dabbled for 15 years and nothing happened? What's going on that there are girls that have a Shiloh if they could freeze their eggs because they're 42 years old and by the time they get married... They're not gonna be producing eggs and they wanna have children. So like what do you what do you say when you walk into a room of two hundred girls that are above the age of thirty-eight? What do you tell them? What's the chizik What did they do wrong? They said shayashirim. they went to Amuka, they got Brachis, they went to a million weddings, everybody said a mission, but you what what do you tell them? What's the Imuna? What do you mean have Imuna? I've talked to him 20 years in a row. He doesn't, I'm not. I'm not married. So what's my like, Where is he? It's a fantastic question. So and we, Some of these some people are coming this year, Rosh Hashanah. And last year they asked for this, that, and the other thing. They didn't get it. And they're still poor. They still don't have children. And they're still divorced. And they're still sick. So what are they supposed to be thinking about when they're in shul, this Rosh Hashanah? What's going through their head? 15 years, I wanted to have a kid. And I'm diving to you. And I don't know, I don't have any children everyone in shore has children grandchildren I don't have children I'm 40 years old I'm not even married so like where are you? what's the Muna? so everybody thinks that a Muna means that if I have a Muna it's going to change next year I'll be married wrong because look 20 years I had a Muna and then didn't get married so that can't be what a Muna is what's real a Muna? Real Amuna is, and B'Tacham. I have been davening, and I have been asking for something, and I'm not getting it. So, I don't have any questions. And I think this is very important. Because a lot of people come to me and say, I have a question. I'm like, no. If you have a question, then you have a million questions. Because, I've seen kids die. From overdoses, I have seen sexual abuse. I have seen emotional abuse. I have seen people die from cancer. So where do my questions stop? If I start asking a question, I want to know why this girl who's a star is not married, and she's forty, and she and she works for the children. She's the most amazing person in the world. I have a question. I said, like, that's the only question you have? What about the six-month baby that died? What about the kid that was born dead? What about the kid who died from SIDS, three months old in her crib? What about people with cancer? What about kids whose parents are divorced? What, what do you mean you have one question? If you're going to start asking questions, I said, I'll give you a million questions. So you either have total questions on everything, or you have no questions. I have no questions. Because I see so much, if I'm gonna start asking questions, I'm gonna ask questions about everything. You can't explain to me anything. So you come to a point where you're like, I don't understand why what said, the said, I don't understand why good people suffer. What? Right, I don't, I don't understand, period. I just don't understand. So once you come to that conclusion, and you accept Hashem and you say, listen, there's Gilgal and there's Tikkun and there's so much going on in this world that we don't see, right? So I accept that because you know what you're doing. What do you do with that? Okay, very nice. You, you're, you're dating for 20 years, you're not married and now you accept that Hashem knows what he's doing but you're still single. What you did in the Cheshman. So the, the answer is, if you really accept that God knows what he's doing, in fact, why babies, why people do have children, why people have stolen bias, why people are healthy, it's as big a question as why people are not healthy. This guy's not healthy. I don't understand. Why is he not healthy? This guy's very healthy. I have the same question. the Good. Why is he very healthy? These people have no children. Why does this guy have children? These, these girls are 40 years old and they're not married. Why is a 17-year-old yes married? It's the same question. And good as bad. So if you're going to have questions, everything's a question. Why did that deer get hit on the road and it's dead? What did it do wrong? It's a deer. You want to start asking questions? You'll be asking about everything. So either you believe God, you know what you're doing, you're the Melech, you're my Avinu, it's hard because I know that you know what you're doing, but I'm still suffering. So, hey. So the answer is like this. If I believe that Hashem knows what He's doing and I'm not married and I don't have children, what is His expectation of me? Because every situation He puts me in, every second of my life, He wants me to do the best that I can with that second. So if I'm a single girl and I'm 40 and I'm dating for 20 years, Shemaya is going to want to know how come you never slept at night with a sick person in a hospital? You didn't have children, you didn't have a husband, you could give up your nights, right? Because it's not a problem. How come you never gave up your nights for that life? You're a single guy and you're forty years old. You made a lot of money. You have no kids. You didn't buy a house. You're not spending it on your wife. It cost a lot of money having a wife. So you must have a lot of money. So what are do you doing with that money? You keep it in your bank account or you're doing chesed and you're helping people. And munah and bitachon means that whatever second I'm living in, I use to its fullest potential. So if I'm a single guy and I'm up in the mountains and I'm by myself, there are people up in the mountains that need chesed that married people can't help because they're living in New York and they can't be there. So are you sitting in your bed and you're depressed and you're anxious and you're upset? Or are you using for that, that you happen to be there? And the Lubavitch is very good. If you happen to be in China, you're doing the best with the Chinese. Wherever the Lubavitcher Shluchim go, they do the best that they can in that place. I, there's no minions, they're out. We're going to get into the whole thing, but the rebel understood that I'm sending you this place has potential. Montana has, was the last place that didn't have a Lubavitcher place. Or South Dakota? It has potential. We have a minion on Chavez. So when you come up in front of Hashem, say, I'm a bust of a dumb, I don't understand the good, and I don't understand the bad. I don't understand the evil, and I don't understand the other side, the good. I don't understand anything. But, my situation is as follows, and I want it to change, but this is the thing that I want to tell you. Everyone I was teaching thought that Bitochon means that I'm not married, I have Bitochon, I'll be married next year. But what happens if you're not married next year? What happens to Jehovah Bitochum? I have Bitochon, and whatever my year looks like, I will use it to the best potential that I can. And therefore, I understand that you know what you're doing, I don't know what you're doing, but if I find myself in a room, I always tell this to kids, like, you're in a room, and the door's locked, and the windows are locked, and it's very, very hot. You're a guy. You're in that room. You're schvitzing. You have a book in front of you. You could sit there and say, I can't believe they did this. I'm locked in a room. I can't breathe. I'm schvitzing like a pig. I can't even believe this. This is unbelievable. How could this happen to me? I don't understand what you're doing to me. Or you could sit there and say, I am locked in this room until someone opens it. I have a book. It's very hot. I'm going to use the book, and I'm going to fan myself. I'm going to open the buttons of my shirt. I'm a guy. Right? Maybe I'll even take off my shirt. Maybe I'll take off my and You shouldn't take off your titses. I'm sitting there in my undershirt. Right? I'm going to make myself as comfortable as possible. But what do you mean? You're locked in a room and it's very hot and you can't make any changes. And you can't do anything about it. So what? So I shouldn't cope with it? Because because that's my situation? I shouldn't try to make my best of my situation? That's the one. You should always make the best of your situation. So when you come from Shoshone, you're like, yes, Hashem, I have Amuna. That it, I'm not married and I'm 40 years old. I have a muna. That if it's good for me, I'll be married this year. But if it's not good for me, I'm going to do the best that I can as a single guy. That's what you got to come to Rosh Hashanah. It's a very big flip in a muna. Everyone thinks a muna. I believe this is going to be my year. Somebody just told this to me. said, "I believe this coming year. I have a good feeling. It's going to be my year." I'm like, if last year wasn't your year, you'd be dead. (laughs) Hello? This is going to be your year? Last year was your year. It wasn't what you thought. You didn't make as much money. You weren't supposed to. But if it wasn't your year, you wouldn't be up at this Rosh Hashanah still alive. It's a whole different way of thinking about life. I want to end with with a very funny story. What a great story. Don't forget about the, the honey so there's a very big thing Ki of and whoever's over there, write a beautiful letter to your parents if you don't get along with them, then write a short letter. Just thank you for giving me for giving me life, which equals potential that's it if you can't get along with them and every parent should write a beautiful letter to their kid he'll have it forever every time someone says something nasty to him he'll crawl into his room and he'll open up from his tati mami. you should live long you should live forever but you know not everyone does and there's some kids out there that have letters from their mothers and fathers from Rosh Hashanahs. And their father is not alive anymore, Chas And they read that letter every few days. And my tati said that that was the greatest thing that ever happened to him. That never goes away. It's not like a stupid phone where you push erase. A letter is forever. And there are many letters in the world that have a lot of tears on them. So we don't know how long, you know, I have to tell you that. Like, I have to tell you that Moti Shabbos, so Rabbi right Weinfeld, we did, I did, we said slichas and across from where I sit, sat Rabbi Lazarowitz, over Shalom, and the, the night of slichos, Moti Shabbos, the first psicha of opening the Aron Kodesh. No, the first Shema was his, always. And they gave it to someone else because he's not here anymore. And then the seat behind me is where Dr. Benachem Friedman used to sit, who was biggest, sadly. Died very young this year. from a heart attack, a massive heart attack in his car. Every Shabbos before he walked into a bakery... And I'm like, behind oh, me mean is gone, in front of me is gone. You can't take life for granted. So we don't know. So write a letter to your mother so she'll always have it. And write a letter to your kids so he can always look at what his mother and father wrote to him on Rosh Hashanah, I Ayin Zion, because we don't know how long we're going to be here. And write a beautiful letter to your wife. She'll always have that letter. And wife should write it to her husband. he will always have that letter. Letters... Michtavim letters is something that doesn't exist anymore. I have postcards from my parents when I was in camp fifty years ago. Postcard was forever, and they made the parents write a postcard once a week because all the kids got cards. If you didn't get a postcard, you felt left out. And we had to write a postcard to our parents every week. I never did like I was supposed to. So I think this—I think that this this Rosh Hashanah is very important that there is. Letters under everybody's plate at the table, father to kids, kids to parents, husband to wives, wives. It's just. You just have karshatov. is huge. Akarsatoga is huge. I want to end with a funny story. I have a bunch of other stories, but v'irim I can't say them because they're going to be in the video Marcano Then afterwards, I can say them. So, one of my favorite stories in the whole world. It's in Torah parables, Pasha parables. For so tomorrow night, we have simonim. A lot of simonim. Hard to understand. We are, we're, not, we're not schooler people. But we're all schoolers tomorrow night. Carrots, merin, we should multiply. Right? The, the head of the fish or the head of the animal, we should be the head of Natazanov. All these different things. Kra, uh, cabbage, Kra of course, the apple, Shanatova, Musuka, simonim. We don't do that stuff, right? Usually, school, school, I don't believe in school, is right? The whole night, the whole beginning of the night, it's like it's a whole meal. Time to finish all that stuff. So the question is, what's going on here? What's going on here? Why do you, why do you think that you could sin a whole year and dip an apple in the honey, and that's going to change something? Come on. Or you don't have any children. And you eat some cabbage, you eat some carrots, and the Yiddish name of carrots is Merin, you should multiply. It. And because you sinned your whole life, the whole year, you did every went to the movies, you hung out, you did all kinds of stuff, you went to China Shabbos, but now, because I'm gonna take an apple and dip it in a honey, forgiven. I'm going eat some sweet carrots, children. Come on. If I would come to you during the year and tell you that, Here's some sweet carrots, you can't have kids. Like, Reby, yeah. you be like, Rebbe, what, what Rebbe gave it to you? So here's the story. There was a very rich, rich king. And it was his 50th anniversary. And he wanted to buy something for his wife that would just blow her away. She was very into opera. She loved opera. She went to every opera. The king heard there's a bird, real bird called the Myrna. M-Y-R-N-A bird. It is the only bird in the world that sings, sings like a, like a person. Beautiful. Beautiful. It sings unbelievable. And the king heard that there's such a bird in a very far away town. So he calls his Car, uh, driver, his Uber driver and he, has, he uses all the time he says, listen, we got to go to this faraway land he says, why do you have to go to this faraway land? why do you have to go to this faraway land? he says, because there's a pet store there and they have this bird called the minor bird okay so they come to the store and the king tells the driver just to hang out in the car, I'll be right back and he comes back, this little birdie In a cage. And he says to the king, how much is that bird? He says, it's $10,000. He said, why are you spending $10,000 on a bird? He said, there's no bird in the world like this bird. And I will get this for my wife. Okay. So, the guy drives back a couple of days, brings the king back to the palace. And... He realizes that it's his anniversary in a month, and he says to the king, "By the way, did he only have one bird, or did he have more?" The king said, "No, I bought one of the two birds that he had." The guy's like, "Okay." The king thinks that this bird is so magical. He takes all his money that he served, that he saved up from twenty five years of driving, his ten thousand dollars, gets into his wagon. You know what? I'm going to do the same thing for my wife that the king is doing for his wife. So he goes ahead and he, buys, he goes to the store. And he sees the bird and he buys the bird. And he comes home and he says, Happy anniversary! I bought you something very special. Okay? He brings in a bird. I says, that's what you bought me? He says, listen, king has his 50th anniversary he bought this for the queen he said there's no bird like this in the world she says okay we'll see what's about big pot of hot water <laughs> onions garlic carrots this bird must taste like something for $10,000 that the king is buying for the queen Has to be something not normal. So they cook the birds. (laughs) Happens to be the share that I gave ten years ago. It's called Don't Cook the Bird. (laughs) The name of the share. Don't cook the bird. So they cook the bird. Teeny little bird. And they sit down. And the wife cuts it in half. And they're thinking they're about to taste Ganaiden. This is the worst tasting bird in the world. It's not an eating bird. It's a singing bird. And they bite into it and he spits it out. It's like, what? That guy ripped me off? He ripped me off. It's not the same thing that the king got. Once to the king. says to the king, did your bird taste like my bird? What are, you, what are you saying? What are you talking about? You know that bird, that minor bird that you bought. We cooked it. We put onions in it. It is the most disgusting tasting bird. The king said, You cooked a minor bird? <laughs> he said, Yeah, you said. There's no other bird in the world like it. He said, Not for eating, for singing, you idiot. <laughs> it's a very funny story. I read this in Pasha Parables, and he says, He says, there are people that sit by the Samanim. And they eat the minor bird. Dip the apple and the honey. They think that it's all about the taste. It's not about the taste. It's about the song. It's about what it represents. What does it represent? It's so deep. What does it represent? What do you mean? First of all, it's not like the minor bird it tastes good. Why do we have to see money Rosh Hashanah? Doesn't make sense that you're eating sweet carrots and black eyed peas and gourd and some stuff you don't even like, right? And the head of, I just today I bought the head of a lamb with the teeth. It's like, ooh, it's like, cool. (laughs) So, because you eat the head of a fish, the answer is very deep. Because what's the human being's job in this world? What's our job? To grow, potentially. No, no. To connect the spiritual world and the physical world, you take the apple and you make her of course. And you say, Shana musuka." You're, you're you're saying an expression out of your mouth in Hebrew to uplift this apple into the spiritual world. Don't cook the minor bird. It's not about the apple and the honey. It's about connecting the apple and the honey to the spiritual world. And therefore And the, the, the carrot, which is totally it has no holiness, it's a carrot. But our job is to take a carrot and bring it to a spiritual realm. So when we say the when we eat a pomegranate. So we take all these different items, right? And By making a Yerachshon out of it, we are actually accomplishing what we're here in the world. And the best time to do that is on Rosh Hashanah because we're asking for another year of life. What do you need another year of life of? I wanted to connect the the not spiritual, the physical things to to the spiritual world. But if you're just sitting back and saying, I love apples and honey. I love apples and honey. And this is great. You just ate the minor merge because that's not what this is about. My, I love pomegranates. Give me some more. That's not what this is about. The head of the fish doesn't mean you're going to be the racial live of zone? Yes, it does. Because if I can say he wants on the head of the fish, I'm taking this mundane thing, a black-eyed pea, right, carrots, apple, mundane things that have no kandusha, and I'm bringing them to the realm of Shemayim. I'm bringing them to he wants on Hashem Elokeinu, and a bringing Hashem into the picture. That's what the human being's job is to do in this world. And therefore, Rosh Hashanah specifically, not Pesach, not Shavuot, we have all these different simonim. But if you just eat them because you're hungry and you like them, then you just ate the minor bird. You forgot the song. You forgot what it's here for. You cooked up the bird. Don't cook the bird. So I'd like to end with a with the bracha, to everybody, the tzolot should be niskabel. Niskabel means your tzolot, your prayers should be answered, means that Hashem should do for you what's the best for you. It doesn't mean that things are going to change. It doesn't mean that. Because if they're not supposed to change, it would not be good for you to change. You don't want them to change. I remember... I'm in the plastic bag business. I was after a company called Caldor, huge department stores. And I got a meeting with the buyer and I was working on it. Millions and millions of bags was like it was like it's a game changer money wise. And I got a meeting, and my final meeting to get the contract, it was millions of dollars in bags was coming up on a Monday and my father was in Eretz Yisrael. And I called him Sunday morning with seeking Actually, it was much of Shabbos or whatever. And I told him, I need you to go to the and Endowment for me that that we should sign this contract. Oh, my father said, no, I will not. I will not do that for you. I said, what? Dad, come on. You want, to, you want to write me the check? No problem. But like, I don't understand. He goes, maybe it's not good for you to have the contract. So I'm going to dial in that if it's good for my son to have the contract to get Caldor, he should get it right away on Monday. But if it's not good for him, don't give it to him. So he told me that. He would not dial to me that I should get the contract. I was very upset at him. Very upset at him. To make a long story short, I didn't get the contract. I went into the third meeting, and the buyer totally from, from like six, 100 to 0. Said to me, I'm really sorry, but I went to get it signed by the CEO, and he said, Bags? I have a nephew in bags. I have to show him at least the price and see what happens. I lost it. And I said to my father, I said, Two minutes. I said to my father, You messed me up! <laughs> Why did you doubt that, that I should get it? What would have been the big deal? So you never dive them for something specific, because sometimes it's not good for you. That meeting that I was having was in February. I was getting the contract for the year. They ordered a crazy amount of bags for my competition, and in the end of in the beginning of December, they went chapter eleven. All the bags, three two three million dollars, which would have broken me. They didn't have that money. They didn't pay because they went chapter 11. They ordered all the stuff for Christmas, used it. They had 60-day terms, bye-bye. My father said, ah, now what do you have to say? God, <laughs> that whatever is good for you, Shabbat. She do him. You're not allowed to doubt. He goes ask me all the time. He's this really cute guy. I've been watching him for a long time. Can I give you his name, that you should daven, that he should see me, he should like me, he should marry me? I'm like, God forbid. I cannot do that. What do you mean you can't do that? I doubt daven? If he's the right guy, You should. it should happen fast. It shouldn't take long. If he's the wrong guy, you shouldn't even go out with him. I don't know if he's the right guy or the wrong guy. So the Tzua that we're davening, Hashem, I want to get married. Hashem, I want to make a panasim. Hashem, everything. I want everything. But at the end of the day, I trust you that you're going to do what's good for me. And while I'm going through my stuff, I'm going to figure out while I'm in the pit, while I'm in the hole, while I'm in the pit, what I could do in the pit, maybe to save some animals and bugs or whatever's in there. While I'm here, I might as well do something good. And and that's the game changer because everyone gets very, very depressed uh, when they ask for things and they don't get it. And meanwhile, instead of getting depressed, look around and see what you could do in that place. I have a daughter that tried out for a certain school seminary, and no matter what I did, and she's a perfect, perfect child, beautiful, special person, and it just didn't go, it didn't go. After a while, like every my wife was like, You get everybody else in, how come you know you know, you're not trying, I, was, I tried everything, every trick in the book. Didn't go. She ended up in a different place. She ended up with a roommate that wasn't doing well in her life, and she became best friends. And that whole that roommate totally changed her life. My daughter totally changed her life. So I kept saying, "I want her here. I want her here. I want her here." With the good girls, with the name, with the. And she was like, "It ain't happening." See, because I got this girl over here, in this other school that you didn't want to go to with a brand new school. Nobody went there. You didn't want to go to, but I need you in that room with her to change her life around. And you and we're all trying to figure out what's going on over here not meant to be there. Not meant to be here. Mm-hmm. So, there's the trust of Kiddush Baruch Hu that, And when you get to that place that you're not even happy with, use it for the best that you can. But you have to doubt that what you want is what Hashem wants for you. You have to doubt that what you want is what Hashem wants for you. Yeah, but many times we want things that Hashem no, doesn't want. You, no, you want, you have to doubt that what we want is what Hashem wants for you. If you. If it, that's what you have to do. If I doubt him for a million dollars, he doesn't want me having have a million dollars. You're not to it. Right. So, so that, what you want. But not, want it, it should, the should be the other way around. And right. what he wants, yeah. you should accept that that's what that's you want. Right. That's why That's, why that's, that's the mission of Battle with break your will for his will, so that his will should become your will. It's the mission. Right. Yeah, so you and that's stressful. right so you went here the beginning of the share so we're talking about people for 20 years are for the same thing they didn't get it right. so instead of being upset you're not use you that you didn't get it so, so I'm single so I have time yeah, so I have time right. a guy just told things. me he said you know how many people so lost their life. jobs and when they lost their jobs until they found their new job they started learning they never learned before in their life. And then all of a sudden started having a and started learning till 1 o'clock. And then they went to work and changed their whole life. Meanwhile, had they not lost their job, they would have never started learning. You just got to give yourself, you know, it's like, it's like a sailboat. You put, up your, you put up your sails, and if the wind blows from the east, you're going to go east. And if the wind blows to the north, you're going to go north. Now you're going to say, but, but I wanted to go east! And the wind's blowing me north! Guess what? There's something in the north that's good for you. That's why the broker Shosley Koltzarki is on shoes. What? A Pesachron once said, from Me'am B'Pashalan, the wife of Brochah Shosli Koltzarki Shosli Koltzarki is on shoes. Is on what? On shoes. On shoes, right. Why shoes, from all the things. Right, I need a house, I need rent, well, yeah, I need this, why r- shoes. right. So he said because shoe, a suit or anything else, you can fit the size, you can fit lock. It's Shoes, you, you... Have to fit. Has to fit. And So if Hashem is giving you the right fit, it's that's different. what you're supposed to get. May Hashem, may Hashem give everyone the right fit. Right. Mm-hmm. See you. See you Thank you. You've just experienced another Torah class brought to you by TorahAnytime.com.